Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. I enjoy generally playing around with my diet. I'm always interested in things that reckon they're going to give me more energy or make me feel clearer. I had to decide whether I was feeling hunger pangs or was I thirsty or was well, missing eating because I just do it because I get bored. I'm hungry. You're hungry. I'm hungry. No, I'm hungry. I'm hungrier than you. Welcome to Healthy or Hoax, where we find out if current health fads are really as good as they claim to be. I'm Stacey Morrison, and this episode we've roped in some others to trial this latest trend. This episode we're looking at intermittent fasting. Kia ora, I'm Alex. I am going to be doing the 16-8 fast diet. Going into two 24-hour fasts was a little bit scary. How do you feel about starting it tomorrow? I could do with a bit more warning, um, but no, we could give it a crack. In order to get the best idea of how fasting works, we got three RNZ staffers to give it a go. All our guinea pigs began fasting for us late last year, like Alex Ashton, who did a 16-18 fast. Which essentially is uh, fasting for 16 hours of the day and eating everything over an eight-hour window. Alex used to host The Detail. He since left RNZ to have some adventures, and I don't think it was because of this. Anyway, our next contestant is RNZ reporter Amy Williams. She did the 5-2 fast, which is where you restrict your calorie intake on two days and eat normally for five. She also roped in her husband, Ewan. What's the calories that we end up having to, you end up having a third of the calories? Well, half or, or less than half of what we would normally eat. But how do you feel about starting it tomorrow? I could do with a bit more warning, um, but no, we could give it a crack. Okay, I'm feeling a bit apprehensive. I think I'm going to be starving. <laughs> and finally, we have Katrina Batten. I'm doing it on a Wednesday and a Friday because I'm thinking the weekends might be a little bit too hard and I'm hoping that work will be a distraction. Katrina produces RNZ's First Up programme, so her typical working day starts at 2 in the morning. She's giving 24-hour fasting a go. That's when you eat nothing for 24 hours. So a little bit frightening initially. We'll hear more about this fasting experiment as we go along. Unfortunately, three anecdotal reports doesn't make a scientifically viable cohort. Luckily for us, there have been numerous studies into fasting. The most recent research suggests that the body rejuvenates. Alexander Tubbs is an associate professor at Otago University. He's based at the Neuroendocrinology and Brain Health Centre. Our reasons for talking to a brain researcher will become clear soon. But let's start with the basics. So I understand that, you know, we eat, use up the energy we need and then store any leftovers. What I didn't know is that excess energy enters our cells with the help of insulin. Fasting brings our insulin levels down, allowing the cells to release the energy again for us to burn. 
But the thing about fasting is that it seems to do more than just help us lose that spare tyre. It has been shown from insects, over worms, even to monkeys, that when food is not available all the time, so mostly they were calorie deprived, then the lifespan can be extended quite significantly. And um, yeah, so it has been shown that fasting increases lifespan in all organisms that have been studied, except in humans because we live too long, so we don't know this yet. Tap says the science backs up the health benefits of fasting, but there's still a lot to learn. Some of the new research looks promising for conditions like multiple sclerosis and rheumatoid arthritis. Fasting changes the immune system, how it works, and also the memory of the immune system that has been shown in, in very recent studies. We need to do more research into this, but it could be potentially beneficial to follow these intermittent fasting periods to treat certain autoimmune diseases. Fasting could also help with cancer. Also, certain cells undergo programmed cell death, which is beneficial to make sure that the cells don't divide out of control, which would then lead to cancer. And fasting could just be good for general gut health. Another thing that happens also during fasting periods is that the microbiome changes. If those bacteria are changing, then that can be beneficial, for example, if we have the right strains of those bacteria. But we don't know at the moment which strains these are. Fasting might even improve brain function and mental health. Now we're getting into Dr. Tupp's speciality. Yeah, and that's another thing that has been shown, that these intermittent fasting periods directly affect our brain. So it can increase neurogenesis, so new nerve cells can be produced in the hippocampus region that has been also shown in one study and we need to do more research to confirm this but that would be really interesting because then it would also improve cognition and it could be beneficial to treat dementia for example and also the communication between the first brain and the second brain is an interesting part of research where we don't really know much about it yet but the second brain is in our gastrointestinal system and the bacterial composition might change how these nerve cells function. And then this could lead, for example, to the anxiety that often occurs with gastrointestinal problems. And as we know, when we have a significant event in our lives, the first thing that happens is that we have an upset stomach. So that is another confirmation of this phenomenon. What Dr. Tubbs and his colleagues recently discovered is that if we get that timing just right, we could potentially boost fasting benefits. So we found that when we give food to certain times of the day, we actually have an effect on the hormone that regulates our body weight. This hormone is called leptin, and this hormone makes us eat less and um, burn our energy. And we found that there are certain times during the day when the hormone is not effective. But then we found that certain times during the day the hormone works really well. And if we eat during the times when the hormone works very well, then we get beneficial effects for our health. And this is in mice, I must say, so we don't know for humans, but in mice, these times were in the morning. So it was um, around breakfast time till lunch time that is the beneficial time to eat and to skip dinner would be better for if we translate this to humans, if we can translate this to humans, 
rather than skipping breakfast. Sounds very positive, but there are people who shouldn't be fasting. Yes, so if we had a metabolic disease, um, it could be thyroid problems, then we need to treat this with caution because it could affect how the thyroid works, for example. If people are undernourished, older people or um, anorectic people, then of course fasting would not be beneficial. And even Tups can admit fasting isn't particularly easy. Um, I've tried it. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> but he knows lots of people who swear by it, including his grandmother. She um, was overweight, my grandmother, and um, she started to just skip um, dinner and she only ate an apple after lunch. And she maintained a normal body weight for 40 years um, just by this strategy. But that is one person. That is just one person, but Professor Rachel Taylor, director of the Edgar Diabetes and Obesity Research Centre at Otago University, has been involved in a study with many more people. So we were interested in looking at some uh, some different ways of sort of assisting people who were overweight um, to lose weight. And so what we were testing is actually different sort of monitoring strategies. We'll find out how that study went soon and what it can tell us about fasting. But first, let's check in with our fasting guinea pigs and see how they went. So it's the end of day two and I was very confident when I recorded a diary this morning um, but today was harder than yesterday. This is Alex Ashton's 18.6 fasting diary. Although Dr Tupp's findings suggest skipping dinner might be best, it's most common for fasters on this diet to skip breakfast, and that's what Alex is doing. He doesn't eat at all between 8pm at night and midday the next day. So yeah, I was a bit hungry today and a bit grumpy. It's Sunday evening, so it's the end of the first weekend of the 16.8. Um, all good except on Saturday morning at yoga, I was pretty lightheaded and I really felt like I needed to eat something. It's Sunday morning, end of week two, and I'm just checking in quickly to say that I'm very hungry this morning. Um, reason being is that I missed my window last night, so I thought this might have been a problem on weekends. I was also thinking that I feel like overall I might be eating more. Um, my dinners are <laughs> fairly significant. Sunday night, end of week three, um, had a little bit of a slip up last night because um, I was just hanging out with some friends and then I was snacking and drinking a little bit past my window, probably till about 10 o'clock. Um, but then today I just pushed back my start time. So I tried to make up for it, but I'm not sure if that's how it works. So it's Saturday morning, uh, end of week four. It's been really good. I haven't been diarying that much because it's just day-to-day -day been really all good. And the other thing is that I'm starting to feel physically good as well. Like I'm noticing some differences and some bits that I was keen to, to have some change in, which is good. Uh, yeah. So it's actually Monday morning of week five. Um, so my fasting experiment is technically over. But I'm still doing it. Um, I plan on just keeping going with, with it, to be honest. It's really working for me. Fasting week one. First day, really hard. I'm doing it on a Wednesday and a Friday because I'm thinking the weekends might be a little bit too hard and I'm hoping that work will be a distraction. Remember, so, Katrina Batten's doing the 24-hour fast. Just had lots of cups of tea and, yeah, if you keep yourself distracted, I've been going okay. I think that I'm 
eating at the moment because I'm bored. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this next lot of fasting. We'll see how I go. It's 12 hours into the second week, day one of the 24-hour fast, and the stomach is rumbling. It's two o'clock on day two of the fast for the second week, and I'm feeling hungry. I don't know whether it's got cold in Auckland particularly today, but I have been feeling cold all day, and I think I also had that happen uh, on Wednesday when I fasted. I was just a little bit colder, and I wonder if that's having to rely on my own energy sources for the day. Morning, so it is 22.9 on the third week of the 24-hour fast, and I'm hungry. Ugh. Hunger. Hunger's really boring. But I'm enjoying the fast. I'm enjoying the process. But the hunger is annoying. So this is day one, the first fasting day that I've done, and I'm feeling very hungry, and I've been thinking about food all day. Amy Williams is on the 5-2 fast and has brought her husband Ewan along for the ride. I've already had a bit of a lie down this afternoon because I was feeling quite tired um, and hungry. I just needed to get away from the kitchen. So yesterday was the first day of my intermittent fasting. This morning I woke up with a headache. I felt quite hungry. I haven't woken up with a headache in a long time and it certainly wasn't a hangover. There was no allowance for alcohol in the five to 600 calorie day. We're at the pub, it's Sunday night and it's my birthday and it's definitely a feast day, not a famine day. I just got my dinner. We've both been quite hungry today. Are you in? Starving. Low blood sugar over there bit of grumpiness going on. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so glad. Why? I can have breakfast. Being on this diet is, seems to focus my mind on food, especially the fasting days on what I can't have. So I've found myself thinking, well, I can't have an ice cream tomorrow, so I think I'll have one after dinner today. That's just the way it works. If you can't have something, it's all you think about. No, you can't eat that. You have to wait for dinner. It is. Usually at this time of day, right now, I'd definitely be reaching for the cheese and crackers, the peanut butter. What else do I eat, Isla? Sometimes I'll have carrot sticks, carrot sticks with the kids. It's turning to custard and I can't even eat custard. I've definitely felt like when I'm hungry it's just going to get so much worse. So I think I've just got to keep that kind of fear of being hungry in check. I've just been at work for the day and it's been a fasting day. And honestly, I am a lean, mean, not eating machine. I've had a few pangs of hunger towards the end of the day, a few tummy growls, but it hasn't been 
as bad as I thought it would be. It hasn't been worse and worse throughout the day. Oh my goodness, I'm just walking past a chicken and beer joint and it's, the smell is wafting. It's a fast day, so I'm pretty hungry. It's much easier to fast on a day when you're not near your fridge and when you don't have three kids to feed. So at afternoon tea time, I totally came unstuck. There was a bit of shouting, and then for me, there was a bit of eating. I just, I don't know how realistic it is for someone with young kids to fast. I think it's, for me today anyway, a little bit of a recipe for disaster. Sounds like fasting is tough, but kind of rewarding. I sat down with Amy, Katrina and Alex about two months after this little experiment. Thank you so much for having a chat to us. Katrina, how and what did you choose and why? So I chose the uh, 24-hour fasts, which were twice a week. Uh, I thought that would be, I had done 24-hour fasting before, so I thought that might be easier just to not eat for 24 hours. The first week that I did it, I did, did I do, I think I did the two days in a row, which oh, was wow. just, <laughs> that was just, that was silly. So then I split it up the week after that, but the first, the first day, um, it was a slight obsession with how long to go, how long to go mm. before eight o'clock. After a while, it was just a day. It was just a day. I didn't have to worry about food prep or anything like that. <laughs> and it was it was good. So did you feel like it achieved a goal? Yes. Uh, so much so that I have moved on to the fasting regime that Alex is now doing. <laughs> I think that I, I might do a couple of 24-hour fasts again. I might maybe just do one a week. I quite like fasting. Uh, I, um, I think it's quite good for my body. And I think my body responds to it quite well. I didn't have any, I think I had a probably a headache first couple of days. Um, but that might have not been enough water intake, things like that. So, yeah, it's a, just a, it's an adjustment. And um, hopefully I will, yeah, lose the belly fat a little bit more. And, um, and I love how women talk about themselves because then they grab it. Yeah, I grab it. Grab <laughs> <laughs> right my stomach. I felt myself. Yeah. Jiggle, it, yeah. jiggle it around, that's even better. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy, what's your summary of whether it works or not? I had some really high highs where I was like, yeah, I'm nailing this. And then some really bad lows where it just all fell apart with the children at home. And my husband was doing it with me because there's no way I could sit on the couch with him eating like a double-decker ice cream, you know. <laughs> but because he was doing it with me, we did have some of those hangry moments where you get home from work and you realise that dinner is actually basically a cracker and whatever, you know, it's it's not dinner. Let's talk so. about the hanger, actually, <laughs> because there's ironic laughing going on, there's nodding. Uh, tell us about the hanger, Katrina. So if I was feeling mm, a yeah. bit hangry, that I'd just sit there and, okay, so i got two hours, two hours to go. Coming. That is, it's coming. Yeah. And it's just 24 hours. It's just, it's a lot of, it was a lot of mind talk. Mm-hmm. And So talking about mind talk, how would you say it impacts self-image in terms of knowing that you can't eat, thinking about not eating? Do you think it could be challenging to some people in terms of mm. psychologically? It does make you think when you can't eat. 
how much you revolve around eating and how much kind of socializing and mm. and your mood and your day is kind of punctuated by your meals and your snacks. I had quite an extreme reaction to being hungry the first time round. I kind of felt quite anxious about where my next meal was coming from, even though, you know, it's all written down, you know what's happening. But yeah, it was quite an interesting hurdle. And I do snack a lot. So it also showed me that actually I am eating a lot of the time. Um, so, and I think a lot of that does come from society and marketing and we're told to eat, eat, eat. And I think it's kind of almost something that we've, I've soaked up anyway. And mm. as a mother of girls, would you recommend it? What I want to model to my kids, and I've got two boys and a girl in the middle, is that eating is, is it's okay to eat, <laughs> but it's also okay to be hungry. And often they'll come to me before dinner and I will have given them carrot sticks and, and cucumber and stuff like that and say they're hungry. And I say, well, it's okay to be hungry. But at the, at the same time, I wasn't feeling like it was okay to be hungry. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I certainly wouldn't want to model any kind of food restriction to them. So is it perhaps that we eat when we don't need to, do you think, Katrina? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the one thing when I'm when I was fasting to, for twenty four hours, it was an emotional thing, it was boredom. Habit. Sometimes yeah, habit, yeah. Uh, a bit of thirst when you sort of think, Am I hungry? Am I actually thirsty? Maybe I I haven't peed a lot today. Maybe I need to have a bit more, you know, water. So, Alex, I'm thinking of the people who will be listening going, this sounds like a mind game. <laughs> Do you think there's quite a lot of emotional and intellectual labour that goes into fasting? I think um, when you don't eat, your mind becomes fixated on food, right? So I think that it's, it's less emotional labour and more just food starts to consume more of your thoughts um, and more of your time because of that. But less of your eating time. But less of your eating time. Like for me, for example, I wasn't doing breakfast, so the the actual time usage was a lot less. Um, but, yeah, you do start looking, and because I'm, I'm still fasting now, but you start looking at 11 and 11.30 and you're thinking, oh, crikey, come on, like TikTok. <laughs> the actual stress of being on a fast with my one, again, um, didn't feel it that bad but I would say also that I'm in a pretty easy position to do something like this I don't have any kids um, I work Monday to Friday standard hours so if anyone's going to be able to jump on this type of fast it would be somebody in my position In terms of the mindfulness like you're saying when you do have kids it's so easy to finish something on their plate and not even recognise you put it in your mouth Yeah. yeah. So in terms of the mind game what would your I guess advice be, Katrina? I would think if you want to do a fast, try the different fasts. See which one suits your lifestyle. And then it's a case of talking yourself. Because all of us had mind issues. Your mind starts playing weird games on you. Yeah, it's sorting out your head and making sure that your brain is with your body. Which is just a challenge of life in general. So <laughs> could I get you to round up how you would describe your results in terms of how happy you are with what you were aiming for and the result that you achieved? 
overall happy, enjoy it, am still doing it, although a much looser version than what I started with. Um, results, good. I dropped a little bit of weight, not a hugely noticeable amount. Um, and I also just like the feeling of in the morning just getting onto it. Um, so, yeah, I think overall more energy, got used to the hunger, but just a, an adjustment like everything, yeah, and a little bit of weight loss, but not too much. For me, it was too hard, and I lasted three weeks, and then that was it. Um, it ended one night when my husband and I both had a bit of an argument, and we were both angry, and it was just like, no, that's it. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> too so, costly. Yeah, I think, yeah, I just don't know if, if, that, if starving is right for me. Yeah. We didn't catch your results. I honestly, after about two weeks, I did hop on the scales at gym at the gym, and there was no difference. And I was so disgusted because you know I felt like I'd been hungry, and there should be a result. I think if I had seen a little bit of shift on the scales, I would have quite been quite buoyed by that. But it did kind of feel like oh, hmm. what? I, I guess I was also overcompensating on the other days, perhaps. I'm going to continue doing it. I, I enjoyed. I after the first week, uh, the 24-hour fast for me uh, was quite good. Once you got used to it, uh, the two days of the week that you don't actually look forward to, but you know that's just what is going to happen. I probably, I think I'm now going to do maybe a 24 fast, 24-hour fast, maybe once a week. Um, and yeah, I I enjoy it. I don't mind feeling hungry. Uh, that's quite a okay feeling for me. It's fine because I know that I can eat again. I have access to food. And it also makes you aware of what you're eating. So that was the other good thing. So, And now it's coming into summer, so there's a lot more like calorie, um, not so many calorie-dense foods like berries and things like that. I mean, they virtually have no calories, but they're incredibly good for you and they're and filling. So those kinds, I think summer is going to be a, a lot easier to calorie-restrict uh, on a on a fast. So I think it sh I, I, I'm looking forward to it, and I will continue doing the 12 to 8. And your results, you think? Have yeah, been I think I yeah, I think I lost a couple of inches um, around my waist. That's good going. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I just I felt better. Yeah, it was good. I think I heard a I, tummy rumble. <laughs> it might have been mine because it, <laughs> yeah. is there, it is there. Yeah. Thank you all so much for doing this challenge and then sharing with us. Um, but you all did it and you've shared, and I'm sure it will help other people. Thank you. Again, this is all anecdotal. So let's hear more about Professor Rachel Taylor's proper scientific study. We let people choose um, which diet might actually suit them um, on the basis that, you know, if you choose a diet that's more likely to fit in with your lifestyle, does that then, of course, make it easier to follow? Um, and so our people could choose whether to follow intermittent fasting or the 5-2 diet, um, a Mediterranean diet or a modified Paleolithic or um, hunter-gatherer diet um, for a year. And then we monitored them and weighed them and measured them and checked their diet and checked their bloods and a whole variety of other things and then had a look at one year how they got on. Fasting was a popular choice. A lot of the people... Um, Liked the idea of fasting. Um, they felt that it was going to be much simpler than, um, you know, only having to think about what they were eating two days a week and that the other five days a week they could sort of let it go and ignore it, if you like. 
But in reality, they found that fasting, or the fasting days, not surprisingly, um, really quite difficult because they could only eat about a quarter or a bit less than a quarter of their normal dietary intake, and that's, that's tough for a lot of people to do. And they discovered a bit of a gender divide. Certainly in our SWIFT study, we found that in particular it was the men that found fasting actually quite easy to incorporate into their lives. Um, and whereas for a lot of the women, they felt, and these are very much generalisations, it wasn't across the board, but for a lot of our women, they found it actually very difficult in practice um, particularly if they were the main um, food provider in their household. So they found it quite difficult to fast and actually cook for everyone else. So what did the study find? The main finding was that the, the, all, of, you know, all monitoring approaches tended to show some weight loss over time, um, a few kilos by the end of the year, but there weren't any great differences between the different types um, of monitoring. Um, and the same really applied to the diets. The thing with the diets is that people, and this is well known, people are able to follow a diet generally quite well for about six months, but any longer than that, adherence usually declines quite rapidly, and we found that too. So, this study shows people aren't particularly good at sticking to diets, even with different monitoring approaches. But is fasting worth making the effort for? And there's a lot of animal-based research that would suggest that fasting's got something there, you know, that there's something interesting. Unfortunately, the human research isn't anywhere near as definitive as the animal research, which is often the case, particularly in, in uh, sort of weight management research. Um, but the main problem with a lot of the human research is the studies are quite small. Um, and if they're quite small, you have limited power to actually be able to detect you know, what you're after. And they're often quite short. And you really need studies to be at least a year, preferably two, because what we're really interested in, of course, is the long-term effects. I mean, anyone generally can follow a diet for six weeks. Um, it's a very different ballgame trying to change your lifestyle as opposed to following a diet um, for much longer, like one to two years. I mean, if we could lock up our humans in a cage and give them the little wheel for them to run on and they only have access to a certain food, you'll find that fasting works. You'll find that any diet works. But in the real world, where people have all sorts of other influences and things that affect their dietary intake and their activity and their sleep and a whole variety of other things, you know, it's a whole different ball game from what happens in the lab. But if we take the giant leap and assume mice aren't all that dissimilar to humans, what can we take from the science around fasting? So what the fasting research is telling us so far is that it does work, um, but it doesn't seem to actually work probably any better than, than what we call continuous energy restriction, where you eat a little bit less every day as opposed to eating a lot less on just one or two days like you do with fasting. But generally the literature shows that yes, it's quite good for weight loss. Uh, yes, it can have some improvement on your metabolic outcomes. So things like your blood lipids and your blood pressure and your blood glucose and those sorts of things. Um, but all that's really tied up to weight loss. If you lose weight, you generally have benefits to things like blood pressure and blood lipids and so on. The animal research has looked at things like cognition, sort of our, our brain function, if you like, and uh, longevity, 
life life um, length. Um, and the animal research has been quite intriguing in the area. But there are also studies that are a bit more difficult to do in humans, particularly longevity ones, of course, because you haven't got a study that's going to last for 50 years or so. Right, so the science is clear that maintaining a healthy body weight is very important. And if fasting helps you lose those few extra kilos, then excellent. But the science also tells us that most people find it really hard to stick to any diet for much longer than six months. In terms of fasting helping with particular conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, cancer and dementia, science is showing some really great benefits in mice. But all the studies we read concluded with variations on the theme of future studies are needed. So fasting gets a healthy or hoax star rating of four. We need more human trials over longer time frames to hit that perfect five. And the key message from Professor Taylor is that you know, we, sh- we shouldn't be thinking of diets, we should be thinking of life and how we live our lives and eating healthily and, and remembering that food offers so much more than just um, energy and sustenance, it's also got a huge social role to play and all sorts of other things. Despite the multi-billion dollar diet industry and every diet book cover that you'll ever read, there's no particular diet that's ever proven to be the best diet in the world, ever. The best diet is whatever works for each individual. So for me, it might be fasting. Um, it's not. <laughs> I only last until morning tea time. It's not for me. Um, but if you, but it could be for you if you find that it can work into your lifestyle, um, that it's simple enough, that it really does reduce your energy intake, um, then it's for you. So I wouldn't dissuade people from trying fasting. But like any um, diet per se, and I put those in speech marks, It's not necessarily going to be for you. You know, you have to give it a go and see. Thanks for listening to this episode of Healthy or Hoax, hosted by me, Stacey Morrison. We'd also really like to thank Alexander Tupps and Rachel Taylor for sharing their expertise with us, and of course, Alex, Amy and Katrina. What champs for taking on our fasting challenge. And don't forget Ewan. Healthy or Hoax is available on the RNZ website, rnz.co.nz, and wherever you find your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. This episode was produced by Liz Garten with help from Kate Pereira-Garcia. The audio engineer was Adrian Holley and Tim Watkin is the executive producer. Listen out for the next episode on Shakti Mats. Nga manakitanga kia koutou katoa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.